Jesus' name. You can be seated this morning. It is so good to be here, praise God. It is, and here is where the Lord is, and that's what makes this all absolutely worth it and, and, and the whole gamut in Jesus' name. And we are here today to believe God for all things, everything. Amen. His plan is impeccable. His plan is precise. He knows what he's doing. Look at somebody and say, my God's never made a mistake. There it is. Amen. Not even come close to it. We sometimes have this idea that God's going to, to that great university up there in heaven and he's writing his thesis on us. You know, and he's just trying to be a good God, and hopefully one of these days he'll graduate from God's school, and, and then everything's going to be okay. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, that's already taken place. Our God is perfect. He is here. He is on time. He's got everything, amen, in, in, um, in hand, in Jesus' name. I want to read you a scripture this morning, I, um, and again, I'm just uh, kind of weaving my way through here a little bit. But in first or second, no, first Thessalonians, first Thessalonians chapter number four is a, quite a, a chapter. It um, has to do with living for God in the beginning. Um, actually, the term is um, Paul uses the idea that um, how ye are to walk and to please God. And that's when we forget. You know, I, one of the goals that I have in life is I want to be pleasing to God every day. That doesn't mean that I suck up to him and I'm trying to do things good so that he'll like me. You know, it's impossible to do that. You don't sneak up on God. You just don't. But I have found that pleasing God is a great occupation. It really is. It fills a whole lot of time. And it's avoided a lot of trouble that I used to get in because now my focus is, is to please him. Praise God. I have found that. Uh, those of you that have children at home, I, I understand the challenges that you have. It's been a while since I've had any at home, praise God, but nevertheless, memory serves me well. And I can recall some rough days, some rough nights, some rough weeks, um, God forbid, rough years. Can somebody say amen? amen. Praise God. And um, I, I, I don't know how long it took me, but it took me a while to get it through my thick skull that my job was not to be my kid's best friend. No, I, I think I'm, I'm more their best friend now than I ever have been. But it's because we're kind of getting on equal terms now. We're adults, and so we can converse. You know, an adult and a kid conversing and trying to become the same thing is really ridiculous in my opinion because it just it takes away the thing. But one of the things that has been a very, or has and was and still is a big help to me, and like I said, God has, has helped me through a lot of different things and and still is, and I'm thankful for that, is that I came to a place one day and I said, you know, God, I'm never going to please them all the time. Anybody ever felt that frustration? Yeah, it is. That's a big one, isn't it? Where you think, my God, it doesn't matter what I do, you know. I mean, you know, the, the, the bigger the prize or the bigger the present, it just seems like that isn't good enough. And so God helped me to understand that really if you would just focus in on pleasing me, that whatever you're doing, whatever's going on, let it be pleasing to me. And it wasn't some magic wand that somebody waved over my head, but it really did take a huge weight off of me. Amen. That if I'm pleasing God, a lot of other things will kind of line themselves up. 
And so hopefully you can take that little tidbit of biblical wisdom with you today. That, you know, the occupation that God wants us to have, or one of them is, is pleasing him. What, does, what pleases God? How does God like this? Amen. And that's, that's quite a question to ask on a full-time basis. Whatever I'm doing, God, I want to make sure that it has those, um, those aspects in it. But the, the book of Thessalonians is, is a very, very, um, oh, it's a, it's a challenging book because it was, historians will tell you, it was written during the time of the Roman regime when a man named Nero was in power. And I've done a little bit of research on Nero, and I'm not going to make this about him. But I will say that he was not a good president. He was not a good leader. He had some real serious and big screws loose in his head. I'm saying that but from what the history books say. I mean, this guy really had some serious problems. But, you know, and it would have been an easy time for Christians to just say, let's just forget this, you know, and get out of here, you know, and that type of thing. And I'm sure all of you have found yourself in that place from time to time where there's been something that's happened in your life where you thought, God, this would be an absolute perfect time for the rapture to take place. Am I the only guy that thinks about those kind of things? I hope I'm not because I, I think I've got just as red of blood as you do, you know. And so we find ourselves in those kind of times when we just think, God, this is just not what I signed up for today, but it is what it is. And that can range from A to Z. I'm not here to, to hit that nail on the head this morning. I'm just here to say that we serve a God, as I began this morning, that covers it all. His spirit, praise God, is 24-7. He comes and he, and, and he stays, praise God. That is the unique thing about Christianity that is above anything that mankind could ever come up with. I've said it before and I'll say it again this morning. Man can come up with a good program. We can. But the challenge and probably the reality is it doesn't last if it just has us involved. That's the problem. We have our highs and our lows. We can get going. I don't care who it is. You can be the best of the best, and you're going to have an off day. And so that's the reality. That is not uh, an invitation to quit. That's just, a reality. that's just an invitation to realize where you're at, praise God. You're, the only perfection we'll ever have is in Christ Jesus. And so during this reign, there were a lot of Christians. You see, one thing about politics that has always been the same that I have observed is politics has a, has a way of blaming somebody else for what's going on. That's what happens. And I'm not being critical, and I'm certainly not being a Democrat or a Republican. That's not my goal here. Praise God, I am a Christian first. That's the way I look at it. Amen. And I, that's not a, 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 a political statement. It better not be. Praise God. But the bottom line is, you know, um, there, you're always going to run through times like that when, when people who are in those positions, for whatever reason, take a wrong term or turn or whatever the case is. Amen. And so we, we need to keep that in mind. But Paul, you know, in, his, in, in this chapter, deals with a lot of things. And the first thing he deals with is occupy yourself with pleasing God. Make that a daily thing. That isn't going to make all your problems go away, but it'll help you to put some of them in perspective. See, what we have a tendency to do is take a problem and then just make it a huge thing. And pretty soon it's the only thing we can think about. It's the only thing on our mind. It's everything that occupies us. And again, I am not trying to sound unsympathetic here. I'm just telling you how it works. 
And that's why pleasing God has to be the occupation because a lot of times with doing that, he will lead us into those still, uh, beside the still waters and into the green pastures. That's how he does it with us pleasing him because we're close, amen, and we care about what he says. But other than that, Paul wasn't trying to be unsympathetic to their plight because he dealt with a lot of those first 12 verses, folks. He deals with a lot of content. If you want to know how to live for God, just study 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12. There's your Bible study. Study those verses and find out what God and what Paul was teaching a church that was going through some hard times. Amen. It's a good Bible study, folks. I've studied it, and I'm going to keep studying it and restudying it because that's where I want to be. I, whatever's happening in the world, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing or my response to it is pleasing to God. Amen. That's the thing. And that's not fake, folks. That's power. Pretty soon you'll find yourself going, whoa, everything around me is sinking sand. But boy, for some reason, this is pretty solid. For some reason, this isn't sinking. For some reason, man, I'm able to stand. I'm able to go through this. I'm able to, to sit here and, 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 hey, God forbid, I'm able to comfort those that, that aren't. And wow, you find yourself in a position, praise God, that, that is just absolutely pleasing to God. But here's a, another point. In verse 13, he kind of turns it around. He kind of deals, he's dealing with one subject, and then in verse 13, he starts dealing with another. And he says, but I would not have you to be ignorant. Whoa, what a statement. He says, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Notice he didn't say don't sorrow. You know, sometimes we as Christians think we got to put on that face, you know, that everything's okay. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes I can't explain it. Sometimes, man, this world is really rocking and rolling around me right now. Amen. But the Bible says there, don't sorrow as people who don't have any hope. There's your key. You and I, we never lose our hope in God. Amen. And you must understand, hope is not like faith. It's the middle sister, brother, whatever you want to put. You know, faith, hope, and, and charity. But the bottom line is hope is future. Hoping is something that's going to happen. You believe it's going to happen. Faith is saying now. It's going to happen right now. And so there's a big difference. And so there are some things that you just have to have hope in. You can't, you, you can't deal with it in the faith realm. You have to have hope in what God is doing and trust. And boy, I found in hope that trust can build pretty fast sometimes. It really can. And so this is what he's telling them. And then he reminds them of their faith. He doesn't do away with faith. He, do, he reminds them of it in verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep or die in Jesus will God bring with him. Amen. Never forget, Jesus went through this too. Amen. And then he goes on to say, he says, For this we say unto you, and here it is, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... Yes, here's how you build faith. It says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. And verse 16, he clears it. He says, for the Lord himself. See, there are things that Jesus himself will take care of. Amen. And it says, shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
And then it says, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. It's where we get the concept of the rapture because the word rapture is not in the King James Version Bible. It says, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There it is, folks. There's the plan that will never, ever be removed. I don't care how bad, how unclear, how, how smoky, how foggy things get in life. We still have, can have faith in that. Amen. That's why Paul could say with credibility, don't sorrow as those that don't have that hope. Amen. Because that would be a tragedy. I can understand why people can go off the deep end. I'm not advocating it, but I can understand why. There's been a lot of things that I went through, you know, in life and a lot of things I will still go through that I look at myself and I say, man, I'm glad I got God. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have Jesus right now. And that's not some sign of weakness. That's a reaffirming of what this thing is all about in the name of Jesus. That you and I will never lose God. He doesn't come and go like the flu or like the weather or like other things in life. Jesus comes and stays. That's his intention in the name of Jesus. Can anybody lift their hands right now and acknowledge the fact that Jesus is here now? Just got a big whiff of those flowers when I turned around. Thank you. Amen. And I love these flowers in the wintertime because that gives me hope. Oh, 18 inches of snow we got this morning, praise God, but spring's coming. Come on, spring's coming. Come on, some of you just need to take a spiritual bull, uh, you know, bouquet of flowers, praise God, and start smelling the roses, praise God, because he's coming. Amen. One of these days, it's going to be over. One of these days, we're going to be with him. We're going to be with him in the name of Jesus. What a joy. Oh, the joy of the Lord becomes my strength then. That's why, that's why at the end of that, in verse 18, he said, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. I understand we find ourselves in places where we have to weigh our words out. You just don't want to say anything and everything, you know. Sometimes I don't want to know that you went through the same thing I did. That's not the comfort I need. And that's usually the first card we want to pull. Well, yeah, I remember when I went. Sometimes that's not the one. Amen. What we need to do is lead with Jesus. Amen. That our God is a God of all comfort. Our God is there, praise God. Let you and I clasp hands right now. And let's lift up his name. And let's depend on the fact that when we call on the Lord, he's right here. And he's the God of all comfort. He's the one that can explain things better than I can in Jesus' name. And so this is what we do. Our faith needs to remain in God. Sometimes we think our faith is in our experiences. And I'm not saying our experiences are bad. I'm just saying they don't hold a candle to God. Amen. 
And so this is what we do, praise God, is we, we go through life and we believe that God is, is there. He never leaves, never forsakes us, praise God. And what a comfort that is in the name of Jesus. And so comfort one another with these words. That's why I love to take Bible verses and, and dissect them when I'm talking to people, especially during troublesome times, because this is what the Word says. And His Word, praise God, is the solid thing in Jesus' name. Wednesday night, we're going to do something a little bit different here at the church. I, I know that Bible study is important, and we do a lot of Bible studies here. Those of you that haven't been frequenting our, our Wednesday night Bible studies, I just want to put in a little bit of advertising here that maybe this could be something when this school year starts could be your new school thing. Amen. Because Bible study is very needed. It's where we break down God's Word in a lot of areas that we're really not familiar with, and we become more familiar with it in Jesus' name. And so I want to encourage you to return to that format. I know our schedules are packed. I, I haven't talked, I don't think I've talked to a person in the last 10 years that wasn't busy. Yeah, I mean, everybody is. Everybody's got a boatload of stuff going on. But you got to make, and I got to make room for God. And I really want to encourage you to do that. I can't make you do it. I'm not going to call you on the phone three times a day and remind you, you know. I just don't have that kind of time in my life either. But the bottom line is I'm going to take times like this and encourage you. Come to Bible study. Get some consistency growing in your life. And that's another thing that Bible study will do is it will give you some consistency in God's Word. You know, today's world, we want to memorize a scripture or two and then we feel like that's going to fill our tank every time. And a lot of times we, we, we take a scripture out of context. We're talking about a verse of scripture that didn't mean what we're trying to get it to mean. And that's what Bible study will help us with. It will. You know, just for your information, we're going through discipleship right now. There's a four-lesson series that we're going through in our discipleship class. I have some good news. I just got um, an advertisement from headquarters, and they're, they're improving and changing the format, a little bit of the format of the discipleship class. The um, handouts that we're giving, the books, are going to contain a whole lot more information this next time around. So look forward to that. Amen. This has been kind of an, I'm going to say an experiment, but it's been something our organization has done probably about five years ago. They came up with this discipleship project, and, and we use it here at the church because it gives you something to take home and contemplate. Amen. And I, I like the content. I like the subjects and that type of thing. But again, I just got a notice from headquarters that they're going to be changing the handouts that we give, the books, and we provide them for you. You know, we just ask if God moves on your heart to give an offering for it to do it. We don't demand it. We don't, you know, make you pay for it. And so all of this stuff is for your taking. And so think about it, praise God, amen, that, that this year, this coming school year, can, for your children and maybe for some people that you know, can begin a new school year for you. Wow, wouldn't that be something? Amen. And I guarantee you that God is a very fair grader. <laughs> no, we're not looking for A's or B's. We're just looking for consistency and participation in Jesus' name. And so consider that. But this Wednesday night, we're going to take a break from that. And starting at about 6 o'clock here, I know that's an hour before we usually start our Bible study, but we're going to be live streaming. Hopefully it'll all work out. You know how technology is. <laughs> I didn't get too many amens on that one. I, I guess I'm the only one that has a problem with technology, right? Yeah. Well, I, it, my wife has a saying at our house, you know, nothing's ever easy for my husband, you know. And when it comes to technology, it isn't. 
I just don't have enough wrenches, I don't have enough tools or whatever the case is, but we're going to do our dead level best to have it here. The reason we say 6 o'clock is because in St. Louis it'll be 7 o'clock, and that's where the service, the NAYC, is taking place. Amen. And we're hoping to live stream that right in here. Amen. Now, we're happy for those that are going to St. Louis. Can you say amen? amen. A little upset, too, that we're not. But, yeah, that's, we'll get over that. And the quickest way to get over that is to have it live streamed into our church. So we're going to try to help some of you get over it, okay? But we're glad for them that are coming. I told them what they have to do because we're going to be looking in on them on Wednesday night. They have to give us an abundant life wave. <laughs> yeah, so. But they're going to be right down in the front row so you can rest assured we'll probably get a look at them. So you guys better watch it because we're watching you. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. But it's going to be a lot of good stuff too. NAYC for the last probably 10 years has been building. Building in the UPCI. And it has become the largest uh, meeting that UPC has and, and I think oneness in general in America. Now there's huge, bigger, a lot bigger meetings over across the sea. My goodness, they just filled up a stadium over in Phil the Philippines I think that where they had close to 100,000 people there. 5,000 people got the Holy Ghost in one night. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you folks, it's happening on the foreign field. It just needs to start happening in proportion in here in America, in Jesus' name. And so we're hoping that this can be something that will be encouraging to you and to us. And so keep that in mind. Services on Wednesday, and I, and I, I know that's probably going to conflict with some of your work schedules, but there's nothing we can do about it. We can't tell them to delay it because we want it to be live streamed here in, you know, in mountain time. But the bottom line is we'll be here, and I don't know how long it's going to last. The service, I think, will begin probably at 7 o'clock, which will be 6 our time, and I'm going to guess that it's going to go for at least a couple of hours. Well, but 7 o'clock, the preliminaries, isn't that? Well, yeah. Yeah, and their prayer room probably starts at... No, I'm just kidding. Just having a... Yeah. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying we will be here at 6. You get here whenever you can. And, and I, I trust that the Lord will help you and encourage you, praise God, because there's nothing like thousands and thousands of oneness apostolics that are lifting their hands up and expecting great things to happen in Jesus' name. Last year, or two years ago, they have it every two years, the group that we had go from here, um, from the Rocky Mountain District, I don't know how many it was, it was quite a few, but those, everyone that needed the Holy Ghost got it. Now that's a pretty good record, isn't it? And we're believing the same thing for this year. That whatever people need when they go there, especially the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is going to happen. In Jesus' name, praise God. Would you just lift up your hands just for a second, and would you pray for that meeting? Mm. Yes. It is going to be exciting. Hallelujah, Jesus. I do. I feel like this is worth our time. Preparation, expectation. 
God, that people are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost there. They're going to come and they're going to be healed. There's going to be a witness that will go forth out of that auditorium, Lord God, that will not only change St. Louis, but it'll cross the river into Illinois. It'll come this way into Nebraska and into South Dakota and North Dakota. It's going to hit Wyoming in the name of Jesus and Montana. It's going to touch Idaho. It's going to touch Washington and Oregon, California, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, it's going to get everywhere in the name of Jesus. God, there's going to be people that are going to be changed because of that atmosphere in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I, I reviewed a scripture last week that just mentioned the fact that with God, nothing is impossible. Um, our, our former uh, superintendent out here, I remember, preached a message in California. I happened to be in that meeting when he preached it. And his, the title of the message that has never left me, he said, God never does nothing. And I never looked at that scripture until that time. That was probably 20 years ago. That way before. I never did. You know, I just thought, well, God's he's powerful. He's doing everything, you know. But the idea that God is not just sitting there folding his hands going, what do I do next? What can I do now? What should I say to him? You know? And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to tell you that's not God. He's already got it down. He already knows what he's doing. You and I just need to find that will. You know, other than pleasing God, one of the best things you can do every day is search and look until you find the will of God. And there's some generic things that you can get up in the morning and get started with for the first couple hours. Right away, you don't have to say, well, I wonder what the will of God is. No, you know right away. You know what that is. And then you continue to do the will of God every day. And then God, what he will do, because he's God, is he'll, some days he'll reveal you more of it. He'll expand it. But he's not going to give you a new thing just because you don't like the thing he suggested. <laughs> And that's what we got to get used to with God. He isn't in this catalog business. You know, he just shows us and tells us and helps us to be a part of his will. And then he will expand that will. Praise God. I remember when I first came into the church, you know, the will of God was very easy for me. Come to church, pray, read your Bible, witness to people. Man, those four or five things I could do every day. Pretty soon, God began to expand the will of God. For me, it wasn't a year I wasn't in the church. He expanded his will for me to teach home Bible studies. That was a challenge because I'd never done that before. I'd been in the Bible studies and enjoyed them. And, man, I just wanted to keep coming to the Bible studies. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, you know. And God says, no, now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And, boy, when he opened that door up, man, it took a while for that adjustment but that will of God has been with me and expanded. When I first came to Gillette, Wyoming, after being in, in, in uh, Iowa for 11 years trying to serve God, the will of God, go teach, go sow my seed. And I'd already been doing it back in Iowa. And so think about that, praise God. Sometimes we're, we want to get to the best parts. It's all good. It's all the best. Everything about what God is doing, amen, is. I know I'm, uh, and it is, I'm just just coming out but I know that there's people here that you need to hear this 
Amen. And God will reaffirm this in Jesus' name. Eventually, I'm, I'm thinking, um, I've got it sitting here, so I'm hoping I'll use it. I'm going to get to a Bible study here, a little bit of a one. I'm going to talk about storms. I'm going to talk about three specific storms that we will encounter from time to time. And with that help, I'm, I'm hoping that we can, um, you know, we can get into the recovery business. You know, sometimes the best thing we can do is just recover from where we've been. Amen. How many is like me, you know? Um, for years, Sister Carnahan and I, our vacations were, you know, get in the car, get the kids in the car, and go back to Iowa for a week. We would do that every year. That was our vacation. We would come back, and on our way back, we'd hit about Minnesota from Iowa, and both of us would look at each other and go, I need a vacation. <laughs> and we finally realized that wasn't a vacation. That was an obligation. <laughs> yeah. Because every time you go back, they'd go, why aren't you moving back to Iowa? How come you take my grandkids away from us? And all that. Oh, I'd have to re-explain it to them again. You know, this is the will of God. This, you know, and after about the sixth or eighth time, you know, I just, I was going to write something out and just hand it to them. Say, <laughs> here, remember this? And so it wasn't a vacation. It really wasn't. And, and that's where we find ourselves sometimes. We get so balled up and stressed that we got to go, and it takes us so long to, um, you know, to get unwound, and by the time we get back, we're not even there. Well, I want to encourage somebody here today. The Scripture uses the term, the rest whereby the weary shall find rest. And it's found in Isaiah. And it was a prophesying, or it was a prophecy in, in regards to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is our rest. We don't celebrate, per se, the seventh day anymore in the New Testament. I'm not against the Sabbath. Don't misunderstand me. The Sabbath is being fulfilled now in a spiritual sense. And it's the Holy Ghost that has become our Sabbath. I'm not saying that in the physical idea that you should take a day off work once a week. I've got to watch what I say because my wife is going to really remind me of this. Because I just went through a six-week, almost seven-week um, uh, string that I didn't take a day off. Going to feel sorry for me. She doesn't. <laughs> she just keeps reminding me, take a day off. Take a day off. <laughs> she does. And that's how it works. And so physically, yeah, take a day off. Yeah, there it is. You know, well, I take Sundays off. That ain't a day off for you. And I'm going, yeah, I thought I, I used that card for years, you know, and she doesn't leave. But the bottom line is physically, yeah, you, you need and I need a day off. And so we must understand that that isn't over, superseding that. It's just saying that in the spiritual realm, since you came to the Lord, and remember, you don't join the kingdom of God. You're born into the kingdom of God. That's how it works. You and I don't, don't join anything. God allows us to be born again. And so that's where, how we're birthed into the kingdom of God. And it's a spiritual birth, folks, on the most part. Amen. And so now this has to have some, some help. And that's why God gave us the Holy Ghost, is that you and I can find a rest in the Holy Ghost that is like nothing else. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean, again, that you shouldn't take a day off from your job. That isn't it. But that isn't going to spiritually cover you any more than the other way around. Just taking a day off work doesn't build us up spiritually. We need God's help. And that's what he can. He can help us. I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. There are four areas of our life that we're going to have to deal with. 
whether we like it or not. And uh, you, I, probably some of you have heard this before, but I know there's a few in here that haven't. And those areas are they have to do with trials. They have to do with temptations. They have to do with trespasses and troubles. The four T's, trials, temptations, trespasses, and troubles. Just because we're born again doesn't mean we don't deal with these things. Now we know how to deal with them, leastways we should. That's why you need to come to Bible study. Because a lot of times in preaching, it's used to encourage and exhort and get through that veneer that people have. But teaching will explain a lot of things. And you'll go, that's why God has me do that. That's why God wants me to dress like that. That's why God doesn't want me going there anymore. And all of a sudden, man, the light will go on and you'll go, whoa, that makes sense. And so this is what I'm saying. It all gets covered. God covers it, praise God. In years past, you know, we've been guilty of just wanting preaching to do everything. And so I'm not saying preaching isn't good. I'm saying preaching is good, but teaching is really needed. And if you'll study the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus did a lot of it. And so in these four areas, praise God, and this is not mine. I didn't get this. I got this from Raymond Woodward is where I got it. I'm not afraid to say. I'm not a, what is the P word, plagiar, plagiarism? Yeah. And by the way, he got it from God. So I don't mind using it from him. He used to feel guilty. All oh, these guys, wait a minute. Who's the real author here? And so that doesn't mean that we don't respect the person who God uses to put it down on paper. And so, yeah, these four areas are very, very important. And you can find yourself. Do you want to know why? I'll show you one of the reasons why. Because there are going to be storms in life. You and I are not going to have 75 and clear weather all of our spiritual life. And we expect that. We do. We come to God saying, God, now everything's going to be okay. Yes, it will from his perspective. But boy, you and I are going to go through some things. And we have to have the ability to recover. This is so important for a Christian. Amen. And you must understand that in a lot of areas, God will not give us any more than we can handle. That's not God that does that. That's us. We're the ones that want to lift 350 pounds over our head when we haven't even been lifting 50 yet. And so think about that. And God will give you wisdom in how to handle these things in Jesus' name. And so the storms of life are real. Let me give you three examples of storms, okay? Can I do that? Praise God. First of all, you have a storm that people will get when they're out of the will of God. Let me give you an example of this. That's why finding the will of God, pleasing God, make that your daily goal. Quit wandering out there like, I wonder if God really wants, come on, know what God wants. Know exactly who he wants me to date. Who does he want me to hang around with? Who does he want me to go and be with? Come on, folks, it's not that complicated. There was preaching, okay? Yeah. Okay, well, turn to the book of Jonah, and I very rarely do I preach out of the book of Jonah. I even have to look for it. 
it's one of those books that hide, but it's right after Daniel, you got Hosea, and then you got the book of Joel, and lo and behold, Amos, that small farmer book, and that's what he was anyway. And so then, you know, you have these books that, that have a tendency to hide in Jesus' name, and Jonah is one of those books right after, right after Obadiah. How would you like to have a kid named Obadiah? Yeah, well, it's in there. Now, let me read you and give you an example. Here is an example of a storm because the person was out of the will of God. All right? Verse 1, 1, 1, 1. Now, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, so he had no excuse. And the son of uh, Amittah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. It was pretty simple instructions, by the way. And I have found the will of God has to do with that. That's the preliminary of the will of God. Simple instructions. He'll tell you to do something. Amen. And right away, we'll pick and choose, just like Jonah. You know, I don't want to go there. They're mean. They got a reputation. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be obnoxious here. I'm just trying to give you the idea how your human spirit can sound like mine. And that's not the devil, folks. A lot of times we think it is. No, that's our human spirit that has to be brought under subjection to God's spirit. Amen. And the human spirit, a lot of times, a lot of times, will prefer the easy way. Now, you might get it tuned into the righteous way, being baptized in Jesus' name is the righteous thing to do. And your human spirit needs to agree with that. Amen. But sometimes we want convenience. Sometimes we want to do it when I want to do it. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah and says, Now, go now. And boy, oh, Jonah, he's like you and me. You know, he's digging his heels in. And so the Bible says, but, and there's that three-letter word, verse 3, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Notice what he's doing. It isn't that Tarshish is a bad city. It's just that it's the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. And so the Bible says, from the presence of the Lord, which was, man, alive, that was not smart. And it says, and he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down unto it to go from them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You see what he's doing? And that's what we do when we don't want to do the will of God. We find something else that maybe sounds close or something that will make us feel good or something that will, let's take another vacation. When we want the will of God, I hope that's where you're you're here today. Come on, can I at least take those kid gloves off? That every one of you came here seeking the will of God? Come on, that you don't want me patty-caking for Jesus? That we got to stand up and we got to recognize, praise God, that there's some things in our life that God wants to put us in the will of to occupy so that we'll please and find His will and it'll expand. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Before we, before we know it, this whole thing will be over. And pretty soon we're pushing 65 and we're going, whoa, what happened to my years? Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. But here's, jo- here's, here's Jonah, you know, and the Bible says, but the Lord, remember where the storm came from, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken, I mean, this thing's getting pretty bad, 
And you know the story. Praise God. The guys who were on the ship didn't have a clue. And here's Jonah. He's trying to really bury it. And he goes down to the bottom of the ship and goes to sleep. Yeah. And so you know the story. I don't have to make a big deal out of the story. But here's a good example of a storm in life. And the reason for the storm is because the person who should have been in the will of God is out of it. Amen. And so you must understand that's your responsibility and my responsibility. My kids, I got two of them that ain't living for God right now. And I'm not going to create storms in my life that will that'll mess that up. And so you think about that. Amen. I want to avoid these kind of storms. Why? Because I don't want to be out of the will of God. Now, there might be, have to be a, a good healthy wind come my way to help me to find the will of God sometimes. But folks, I don't want to run from what God wants me to do. Come on, can somebody say amen? Let's just take about a 15-second break right now. And let's lift up our hands right now. And let's ask God to give us some understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And folks, believe me, I'm not saying anybody in here is there. I'm just saying you got to recover from that. You read the rest of this. I don't have time. I've only got 15 minutes left here. And so, uh, you know, you read the rest of that story and see if God can give you some insights to your own personal life. Just because it's Old Testament doesn't mean it's irrelevant. Come on, it's got a lot of good stuff in there that can talk to us. And we find ourselves being good Jonas sometimes. Amen. And it might just start with the, the very simplest thing. Go witness to that person. Go tell that person about me. Oh, God, that's, they're, they're too busy. And by the way, I, well, I'll see you, God. Come on, I've been there. I've done that. Amen. And I, I wish I could tell you I hadn't, but I didn't. And I'd be pride if I did that anyway. And so we learn from that, and we can recover very easily from those kind of situations. We really can. Get in the will of God. Find out what the will of God is for you every day, and be content and happy to do it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Now, another one, um, a storm that we find, is that we find that sometimes we are victims of storms that other people create. We just do. And let me show you an example of that. Look at Acts chapter 27. Uh, it's amazing to me. I've been for about the last, I don't know, probably 15 years now studying what, what the Bible refers to as Paul's prosperous journey. <laughs> he mentions that in Romans. You know, his journey was prosperous. Have you ever studied what, he, what happened during that journey? Last about six or probably last four or five chapters of the book of Acts have to do with what Paul was going through. He was tossed to and fro. And I mean to tell you, it was really something. I mean to tell you, but Paul didn't get discouraged. He just kept pressing on, praise God, in the name of Jesus. And so we find ourselves in, in Acts 27. And this is Paul. He's on his way to Rome, by the way. You know, he appealed to the court in Jerusalem. They wanted to hang him, man. They wanted to get rid of him right there. And because Paul was a Roman citizen, that gave him rights. They couldn't do that. They said, we, and, 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 and Paul did this 
uh, as a last resort, by the way. Paul wasn't afraid of judgment. He wasn't afraid of the people he was facing. He just knew that, hey, he had to go to a higher source, and that's why Paul appealed to Caesar. And that was a Roman citizen's right. It's kind of like the Supreme Court, you know. It's our right to go all the way to the Supreme Court. And so this is what Paul's doing, and so now he's on his journey. Well, prior to that, God already let him in on it. He said, be of good cheer, Paul. Don't worry, this is my will. You're going to testify to some people in Rome. So Paul knew he was on the right way. And that's why I'm saying, knowing the will of God, being in the will of God, will help you to handle some of the storms that you can't do anything about a whole lot easier. Amen. And so here's one of them right there. Look at this, and this is in Acts chapter number 27, and I'm going to start in, in verse number 9, okay? The scripture says, now, when, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, look at somebody and say, dangerous. dangerous. Yeah, it says, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. He advised them. He didn't go in there and say, you know, guys, I've been sailing for 19,000 years now, and I know more than you do. Why don't you lose that approach with people and find out how much open, more open they would be? Just say, you know, man, I, I don't think we need to go. I think I would really, really suggest that you really rethink this. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, and he said unto them in verse 10, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt. Actually, he's saying it's going to be dangerous. And much damage, not only of the lading or the um, cargo, but also with our lives. And so Paul is saying, you know, he's not an alarmist. He's not, whoa, you know, he's just saying, listen, guys, you know, this, you, you know that this is past the time when we need to be going out there. There were times that sailors knew this, that storms were more apt to happen during that time of the year. It's kind of like our hurricane season down in, you know, near Florida. You know, it just happens. We know because the water temperature is so warm and, and because of the cooling air and that type of thing. It's just science. And God is the author of science, by the way. Amen. So you've got to think about that. And so here he is. He's trying to make it. But look at that word in verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Let me put this in perspective. Man, do you think that job is going to take you away from God? Uh, how many services did you say you were going to miss a month? Whew. Boy, uh, you know, I'm pastor, I know, and I'm supposed to know everything, but I don't. I know the one that does. And so I'm just thinking, you ought to really rethink that. How much more an hour is that making you? And uh, is that money really going to be that worth it? See, folks, that wasn't a parable. That's our world because most people are sailing into waters and they're doing it based upon what this centurion. Well, we got a shipload of stuff that needs to get bought and paid for. We got stuff that needs to get to the other shore. And isn't the most important thing in America the economy? I had to put this down to where we can see it. Now, I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm just saying... Come on, think about some things before you press right on. Amen. There are things that will put you in storms, and you've got to be careful with that. Well, let's see what happened here. The scripture says, and because the haven was not commodious to, to winter, and it was a little inconvenient for him to be there. It says, 
the more part advised to depart thence also if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete and lieth towards the southwest and the northwest. Well, we'll just try to get one more leg. Yeah. Go back to my example. I'm in wall. Yes. And I want to get home. My bed is the best place. But I got a wife. And I'm not saying she's screaming. But she is making her case. And she's right. The winds are blowing and the snow is coming down and that type of thing. And so I pull in the wall and we get a hotel room. Yeah. It's called saving your marriage, okay? You know, but I was driving. I'm a man. Wyoming. Been here for 30 years. We operate a certain way here. And I could have said, you be quiet, woman. You sit over there and you don't say nothing. And we're just going. Boy, I can feel that people are, you know what's going on here. And that's what I'm saying. And so sometimes I am not in the business of creating storms for my wife. Forty years, you've got to learn something, right? Okay. Well, the scripture says, you know, one day they got up and the south wind was blowing and they thought, man, we're going to have an easy winter. Yeah, let's look at the farmer's almanac. <laughs> Well, the Bible says in verse 13, they loosed and they sailed close to Crete, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous, what is it? Good word. Wind called Eurocladin. There it is. And I want you to understand something. This was not Paul's fault. He was with a bunch of guys that decided that's what he was going to do. And so storm number two is sometimes you might find yourself in the midst of some place, you know, your boss. And he might have bid this thing a little too low. I'm just telling you. Amen. That's why we need God. That's why our life's number one. We need to make sure every day we're in the will of God. Because we will go through storms like this. Hopefully not every day, but we will go through storms like this, not of our own making, but because somebody else decided that something was more important. And that's why it's important for you as families to pray for one another, to make sure that your goal is to be a godly family. Even if you're a single person, you can do this. Amen. And believe me, folks, if everything is about the money, boy, then you've got a flag, a huge flag that's coming up that you need to deal with, and you better deal with it now before the hurricanes come, in Jesus' name. And so there you have it. You have a storm that happens because somebody's out of the will of God. You have a storm that happens because the people that he's around are not listening to God. And Paul was the spokesman there. They should have listened to Paul. He was a man of God. And if you read this story, he eventually did come in and say, be of good cheer, you know. God appeared to me. Good thing I'm on the ship, boys, you know. And he did tell me, he said, nobody's going to perish. 
but this ship is going down. And believe me, folks, in America, we're seeing that on a daily basis. We're seeing ships going down. But God isn't going to destroy the person. And so think about that, and the Lord give you understanding in your particular situation. But I got one more for you, okay? Okay, and I'm talking about storms now. I'm talking about how do we handle trials, temptations, tempests, and troubles. Now, I'll get into that in more specifics at another Bible study, but I just want you to understand you're going to have to handle these things. Amen. And the reason why some people can't handle them the way God wants them to handle them, I'm talking about the four T's, is because they've got too many storms in their life. And all they're doing is going from one crisis to another. One crisis to another. And it just seems like every day, man, something huge is happening. And it ain't supposed to be that way. Even, even in the dark world you and I live in, there's supposed to be rest. There's supposed to be places we can pull in and we can get rejuvenated, that we can get the help from God that we need. But folks, it ain't going to be at a fast food restaurant where you just drive through for three minutes. And that's what some people are looking for. They want to just drive through, man. Give me another one of those burgers, man. Hopefully it'll last me a couple of days. And it ain't going to last you. It's going to, sit, it's going to come back. And this is what we've got to do, praise God. We've got to take the heed of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've been in a lot of places here this morning, praise God, and you are receiving this well. And think about it. Don't go home saying, yes, brother so-and-so better. I listen to old pastor this morning. No, this is for you. Well, let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, and we'll give you another storm here. And this is a storm that we're all going to face from time to time because we love God. And I want you to see something here. You know, I want you to see something here. Look at eight, Matthew 8, and where are we going to start? Well, let's start in verse 18. Verse 18. This is Matthew 8. The Bible says, Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes... It says about him, he gave commandment. Notice this, Jesus is the author of this. He didn't say, I'm going to leave the departuring time up to you guys. No, the Bible says when he saw a crowd gathering, he said, it's time to go, boys. Let's depart and go to the other side. Now, Jesus is God, so he knows what's going on. He knows where they're headed. Amen. And so the Bible says, and a certain scribe came unto him, saying, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Oh, he took this opportunity. Get on board. Yeah. But then he made reference to the fact that foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Listen, guy, I don't even have a hotel reservation tonight. You really want to follow me? See, this is what God is going to do for us sometimes. Oh, God will make everything great and my flesh will be all taken care of. Uh, uh. Because there's a storm that's coming that's meant to affect your flesh directly. And here's one of them right here, folks. Now, I'm not saying he does this every day, but I'm saying you live for God, you're going to go through a storm that he ordains. And the Bible says, and another of his disciples said, Unto him, Lord, suffer me to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their bed. They're dead. Or, yeah. And he wasn't talking about not attending a funeral there. This guy was saying, wait, I'll wait until my dad dies, and then I'll come and follow you. That's what he meant there. 
And Jesus was saying, no, come, now. Yeah, I had tried to explain that one to the Iowa boys. Couldn't wait for you all to die off before we went out to Gillette and, and started a church. God said, come now. But for 20 years, man, we had to endure those vacations. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And so you got to recover. And by Sioux Falls, we did. That's about the halfway point. We did. By then, her and I, we were getting along great. We knew where we were going, going back to Gillette, you know. You know, I don't have to deal with that for another year, you know. I'm just telling you, you can recover. <laughs> Bible says, and when they entered into the ship, verse 23, the disciples followed him. Say, that's a good thing. Because Jesus commanded it. Yes. But look at what happened. Behold, there arose a great tempest. Now, I don't know how it compared to Rockledon, but it was bad. They're on the water. You know, and the scripture says, in the sea, insomuch that the sea or the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. How dare he? It's because he's the prince of peace in the midst of storms. And the Bible says his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we perish, we're going to die. And then Jesus said to their flesh, why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? And that's usually the case. I mentioned this morning, faith and hope. Hope is something you've got to put in the future. But faith is now. And going through storms, praise God, takes faith. And that's why you better not have just a little bit of it. That's why the Bible says spend a portion of your day every day building yourself up upon your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. There it is, folks. But most people, the only time they pray is after something happens not before. And that's one of the keys of being able to go through this kind of a storm is that you've been praying before it, that you know that God's not a dummy, that God doesn't know, doesn't know what he's doing. And this is me, God. You can do this to the rest of the folks in the church, but this is me. Remember, you and I, we got this special thing going on. And God says, no, you're just like one of them. And so I've been, I've been trying to be very practical here this morning. I've been trying to use these texts not out of context, but in context. And so there you got it. You've got three storms in life. You've got a storm that the man was out of the will of God. And it not only affected him, but affected the world around him. Do you want to take that chance again? Your neighbors need God. Your relatives need God. Your lost loved ones need God. They don't need somebody that's in a storm. And so this is what we need to make up our minds. Now listen, I'm not condemning. I'm, I'm exhorting that these things happen. And then realize you're living in a world that is full of storms. And it's how we operate in the midst of them with the help of God that really can give us a tremendous witness you can become one of the brightest lighthouses during one of those storms. But if you're sitting there, man, shaking and going, oh, what God's going to do, you know, and all that, what are the people around you supposed to think? 
And then you start blaming them. Well, bless God, if they'd have just done what was right. Hey, are you always doing what's right too? They need the same thing you need and I need. It's called forgiveness. They need to know the love of God that sheds abroad in our, through the Holy Ghost. They need to understand that God is a merciful God. Come on, those storms can be recovered from. They can learn that the economy is not the most important thing in the kingdom of God. They can understand, praise God, through you by going through those storms and being willing to witness and pray and love God. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to church. We have it on Wednesday nights. I'm going to learn more about the Lord. Oh, don't you want to work overtime? No, the boss told me it was optional. So I'm going to go to church in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you hope. We have a missionary service tonight. I'm not preaching. I'm just kidding. Praise God. But that, um, that's how it is. And then, of course, we have the storm that God will he'll, he'll lead us right through it because he wants us to understand how powerful he is. But, friend, it's not back, you're not backslidden when your flesh rises up in that storm and says, Whoa. No. You are not backslidden. You're just realizing what you're dealing with. And that's why they were fearful. It's because their flesh was there. Man, we're going to die. Amen. But Jesus was there. And thank God that they were smart enough to go down and wake him up. That's the thing, folks. Let's wake God up, not that he's sleeping. But let's be about the business that God wants us to be about. Let me just recap here. And I spent the first part of this service really cultivating it. That fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Make it a point to want to please and walk the way God wants you to walk. That doesn't mean you won't make any mistakes. It just means that you're going to learn from them. And then take those 12 verses and look at your own life and say, where am I at with this? Where's my thought patterns going? And then we can realize that with doing everything that God wants us to do, that we're going to encounter things in life. The last 13 verses have to do with that. Those guys didn't know. that They didn't vote for Nero. They didn't want him to be the leader. But he was. And so there were people that were literally martyred because of that man. Amen. And that's why there are times when you, and you'd be better off not trying, you and I are not going to be able to explain everything. The only thing we're going to do is really mess up what the real deal is. And that's why you can say, man, I don't know. I have no idea. But I know that God is real, and I know I'm still in his plan. And whatever happens, praise God, I'm going to be with him forever and ever. That's not a cheap form. That's an absolute faith form. And God can help us to recover in Jesus' name. And we can get to a better day, and we can see people literally come to the place of God that maybe we're never going to do that through any other method in Jesus' name. Let's stand here this morning. You've been such a great, this has been tremendous here today. You really are special people. You let me just preach my heart, my guts out. And I appreciate that. I really do. I know some of you, man, in the flesh, you're going, boy, I'm glad he's done, you know. But the bottom line is your, your spirit is receiving this. I can tell. 
I can tell that a lot of the examples I gave this morning, praise God, were going, gee, that's, that's it. Now, let's make a strong commitment here at the end. Respond to the word. Not with some excuse that, oh, you know, that's everybody else's problem. God's going to cut me a little deal. No, that's not going to happen. We're going to just have to go through what God has us to go through and to recognize these things. Why don't you lift up both of your hands with the palms out, saying, I'm in submission to you, God. Amen. Let's pray. Why don't you open up your mouth now? Let this be words that come out of your, out of your being in Jesus' name. Father, in the name